Welcome to the Friday Night Clive podcast with me, Clive Payne. In this podcast, we look back at the amazing charities, organisations and people we have chatted to over the past few months, all of whom have interesting and important stories to tell. Much like uh, Starbridge Rotary, Waldron solicitors uh, come and do uh, legal surgery with us once a month on the programme. And tonight I'm joined to, going to be joined by Alka Wood. Uh, and Alka is a specialist in family law and she's no stranger to Friday Night Clive. And she joins me on the line now. Hello, Alka. Hi, Clive. Thank you for having me. Not at all. Thank you for joining me again. Now, tonight we're going to continue the theme on on family law, which we've done in the past, but we're going to look at at different things because this is the time of year um, when, you know, parents... If they have, if they are estranged and separated, want to, you know, see the see the children separately, take them on holidays, things like that. Um, but where you know parents are concerned, who has parental responsibility after separating, um, you know, o- over their child, if you like? Well, that is um, a question that I get asked a lot. Um, it's it's as simple as if the father is listed on the birth certificate, that automatically gives them parental responsibility. Um, that is usually the case if, say, the parties are married at the time of the birth of the child or um, they're added onto the birth certificate um, after, say, a, a, a period of cohabitation or raising a child together. Mm. Um, those are the first points to look at whether you you know you want to find out if you've got parental responsibility or not um, there's there's a difference in it if say it's not a biological child or it wasn't a, a relationship but you still got a child um with you know your ex-partner that's where things are a little bit more difficult in terms of establishing parental responsibility but the starting point um as simple as it is it will always be from the birth certificate so for a man who was separated from a female partner and yeah. uh, the child is living with, with their mother, effectively, um, as long as that, that father has his name on the birth certificate, does he have equal parental rights? Is it 50-50? Yes. Unless there are any restrictions made by the court or by you know, um, any, any social services or any other local authorities, um, then yes that that's what defines the parental responsibility what then if the child's mother demonstrates what i would describe and probably you would describe as unreasonable behavior and uh put obstructions in the way to stop the child seeing their father is that unlawful it depends on whether those the unreasonable behavior leads to safeguarding concerns for the child or children Mm. Uh, as to say, it, it's not as simple as, oh, I don't like the way he behaves around me or the children. It's got to, it, it has to be specific to the presence of that father around the children mm. may cause harm, immediate harm or emotional harm, physical or mental. There's, there has to be some sort of evidence that their presence in the child's life is going to cause the harm. Then that can cause them. Um, restrictions and limitations to, you know, the the part they can play in that child's life. Um, but like I said, it's not as simple as unreasonable behaviour. It's got to be behaviour where 
it's detrimental to the child's mm. well-being. I mean, so, you know, if the mother is just being awkward and obstructive, which can happen because when relationships break down, they go very sour, as I'm sure you're aware from, from you know, dealing yeah. with your clients yeah. and things. So, you know, that that's not good enough, is it? That, that's not, that's, that's not no. a, a good enough reason to deny the father access. No, it's not. It's why the courts have a certain process in place where they can determine that and establish whether it's just malicious behavior from you know the breakdown of a relationship or there's actually something that needs attention um, for the well-being of the child in opposing sex relationships when they've broken down why is it that the child always seems to go and 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 you know go and live with, with their mother and the mother has you know i'm not i won't say the greater rights but they always seem you know do you know what i mean it, it's very rare the child yes, lives with I, the father I, I, why does that happen it's a very common question yes it's a, it's a very common question and a, a question raised out of frustration for a lot of fathers but I mean, even though there's no defining reasons for it, it's just that co even at common law, it's the woman who carries and gives birth to the child is is seen as a legal mother of the child in all circumstances. Um, I mean, there there are regulations which confirm that the child's mother will always have parental responsibility for her, mm. um, but that can always move away if the mother doesn't have the, you know the right capacity to provide and care for that child, but. Yeah, and it's just the way um, it's it's always been because it's the mother that carries and gives birth to the child. Um, that's seen as the legal starting point for who keeps the child. It's, so it, it has been disputed a lot. I can but, say it does. I mean, you know, to me, it sounds rather outdated uh, and rather yeah. sexist, actually. But that, but that, but well, that's the. Yeah. I guess that's how common law is. That's, yeah, there hasn't been anything um, in place to move it away from that yet. Okay. So how do I obtain parental responsibility if I don't already have this then, for example? Well, there are a few ways of obtaining that. I mean, the first is if things are amicable between the parties, then you could add the request to be added onto the birth certificate if you're not already on that. So that can be done um, afterwards. So the child's birth yeah. can be registered. And if there is, um, you know, a, a cast iron proof that the father is the father, their name can be added afterwards. Yes, of course. Yes, it can be. But obviously with, uh, with the agreement of the mother. If yeah. the mother doesn't agree, if she does not agree to that, then there's a way of applying to the court for parental responsibility um, by way of... Um, court proceedings the courts will go through the process of doing their own background checks um and safeguarding checks to um determine whether it is the right decision because in fairness if they give that parental responsibility to someone they've got to they've got to ensure they're not um leaving the child you know vulnerable in mm -hmm. this person's care but once it has been granted then at that point they will also grant in the order that the birth certificate be amended to add the father's name to it and so I it's how i said at the start it, the, the simple answer is look at the birth certificate or it's the birth certificate that you need to have it on and, and again unless so, it's an order from the court <laughs> so so all the so you know so let's say that the mother agrees for you know the father's name to be added is it just a case yeah. of then revisiting um, the uh, you know registration office and having that literally yes. added on, or or is it all done again from scratch? Uh, no, there's an application um, right. at the registry 
there's a, they have their own process of okay, doing that. Okay, that's fair enough. So I think there's a fee and there's a registration, but if it comes from the court, all, all you require is um, the court order. Okay. Now, something I've I've not heard of before, I want to move on to live with orders. Now, I've not heard this uh, th- this this phrase before when we've spoken. Um, so let's, <laughs> was, let's tell me what live with orders is. Just define that first for me. You would have heard that as a residence order prior to this. Ah. <laughs> yes. So, so it used to be called a residence order. It's no longer called that. It's called a live-with order. Okay. Um, so what, what does that actually entail? It's an order that permits um, the applying party to have an order for the permanent, permanent residence of the child with that parent. So that gives them all rights to the child, such as parental responsibility, but a little bit more than the other parent. So they can solely make the decisions, um, if needed, of the child's welfare, the education, uh, where they live, school. They have the upper hand in that. Mm -hmm. Um, And the, the, the parent that the child does not live with cannot take away the child away from their care. So if there's contact arrangements agreed, um, they're limited to take the child away and say, right, that's it, I'm not returning the child, the child's staying with me. They can be in breach of that order made by the court. Right, so this, is, consequences. So this is basically flipping on its head what we were saying a, a moment ago, that where the mother assumes that parental right uh, for the child, then we're actually flipping that on its head. And yeah. let's say, uh, you know, a father wants to apply for this residence yes. order or this live-with order, this is what they would do. Yes, yes. Well, it's, it can be done by both. Hmm. So just because the mother is seen to have um, the, the parental responsibility, it doesn't mean that she's naturally given the uh, permanent residence order. It, it's something that would have to be applied for with the courts. Okay, so, so she is, doesn't naturally get that. No, so it's so it's an application a solicitor can yes. make then. Um, yes, how long, how even for it, the mother. Okay, how long does it take? Because I, I would imagine it's not a quick process. It's not, but it depends on uh, whether it's a a contentious matter. So if the parties agree to it, it can be as quick as two to three months. If both parents disagree on who the child is to live with, then it can go on up to six months, nine months, even 12 months. Crumbs. Um, yeah, it can go on, and depending then, on how much they dispute it. And then does a judge in family court make that ultimate decision then? Yes, when it comes to a point where it's clear to the judge via the solicitors um, and the process that's been going on that the parties just cannot reach an ag- agreement between themselves. That's when they will uh, list it for a, what we call a final hearing mm. and then make a judgment based on you know, certain factors that they will review um, in, in, in the, keeping the welfare of the child as you know, the, the first pointer. Brilliant. Okay. Let's move on now to something that's very topical because we're, you know, we're at the start of school holiday season. Yeah. Um, and it, this, this is something that always confuses me, consent to travel with children. Because the rules are slightly different if you want to take a child on holiday compared with ta- in the UK as opposed to taking a child abroad. Um, so let's, let's start with that. You, let's say, for example, I want to go abroad with my children. 
Um, and if I'm if I'm the mother, do I need their father's consent, even though I'm only travelling, say, for the weekend or a week away somewhere? The answer is yes. So there is a lot of misconception on whether you need the consent, even though you're going away for, say, one night or two nights. You can at any time be um, questioned at you know the borders when you're when you're overseas or say for example you're traveling to spain mm -hmm. you're only going for the weekend you can arrive at spain and on their side of the border they can request to see the consent uh based on the fact that it's a it's a sing, it's a single parent traveling with a child regardless of the relation it's all they can see is it's one parent and a child they can request for the consent if there's no written consent to provide they can uh, return you back to the UK without allowing you to continue with your trip. So it's important to have consent, but there is that because it's it doesn't happen so often. There's a misconception that oh, you only need the written consent if you're going abroad for more than 28 days. Um, it, it can happen even for a weekend. I mean, what's the feasibility of this happening? In, you know, in other countries, from, from your experience, um, you know, how often are countries likely to do that check? It does happen. <laughs> um, can't really say how common or not common it, mm. it is, but we've been aware of cases where it has happened. Um, and parents have been asked to return or request uh, a copy of a solicitor's letter uh, to be sent to them so that it can be shown, it can be presented, sorry. Um, in those circumstances. So it depends. I mean, it depends case to case. It's usually where the children are a lot younger, say below the age of 10, mm -hmm. um, where these, these type of checks tend to happen. So it, it's down to where you're traveling, how or what they notice in terms of, you know, the um, people, the visitors attending. There's no actual rule for it. There's no um, requirement for it, but it has happened. Mm. So, yeah, it's, what, it's, it's one of those grey areas. I but think, I think if we, as well. If we were asked as solicitors, we would always say yes. Take I think, the consent. Absolutely. I think as well, you know, it's a courteous thing to do anyway. You know, you, you yes. may be at loggerheads with your ex-partner, but, you, you know, you, you, I think it's a courteous thing really as well as much as anything. So going back to that scenario then, if I'm the mother and I want to go abroad with, with my children um, and I get the father's consent and the father says, yes, that's absolutely fine, does that consent have to be in the format of a solicitor's letter or can it be a letter from the father or an email or some other kind of communication? Um, we would always say solicitor's letter. It could always be written on a normal document as well. But to be on the safer side... Because this list this letter will also confirm um, identity checks, they're more they they hold more weight than say a handwritten note with no detail uh, detail of you know the father's identity. No, and I suppose anybody could write an informal yeah. note like that, couldn't they? So I think, exactly, as you say, yeah. that that's why a solicitor's letter would would have more gravitas. What if yeah. you what if the mother wants to stay within the UK and take the children away? What does she have to do then in this case? In, in, when it's in the UK, it's more down to just keeping that open communication. There's no requirement of the consent unless 
um, one of the par- one of the parents has um, a feeling that they're going they're going to move away, or it's more than what's being uh, declared. So within the UK, there's there's not many restrictions. It's normally when the child has been taken away or outside of the UK. Again, I guess it's because the other partner can actually get in the car and, and yeah. you know come and find them. You know, I, I suppose so. Um, so I, I, yeah, I suppose I get why that's different. Um, here's something that I, I think can be quite complicated: uh, prohibited steps orders. Um, now, this is something um, where an ex partner could leave the country with a child. So, so how would I stop my ex partner? from leaving the country with, you know, our child? Because if they do that, isn't that kidnapping? It can be seen as kidnapping, yeah. Well, not kidnapping as such. It would be um, seen as taking the child away from the UK um, and not returning. So you can make an application to the court to stop the parent from leaving the country with the child with the, with the intention of not returning. Mm. It's a, you can use a prohibited steps order to um, stop them from going anywhere in the UK also. So it goes back to the question you asked me earlier um, of what if they wanted, uh, do they require consent to go anywhere in the UK? I mean, if, if the mother wanted to go, say, to Wales or Scotland and she didn't tell the father, look, this is where I'm going, all I'm going to say is I'm going away for two weeks, I'm not giving you the details, that is also a situation where a prohibited steps order can be made because what you're saying to the court is the mother is taking my child somewhere. I do not know where the, where the child's being taken. So, therefore, I want an order to prohibit that from happening for the safety of the child unless the details are communicated or certain conditions are met. So, that's where prohibited steps order comes into play. So, it's not used just for... Um, say leaving the country but it's also for situations within the country as well and also if say um, one of the parents takes a child for contact and doesn't return the child on the Sunday it was agreed to be you know Mm. the end of the contact arrangement so you can do a prohibited steps order to then stop the father from doing that again Right so again if the the ex-partner then goes um, goes off with with the child and says, "I'm not going to yeah. tell you where I'm going to." Uh, it, so, a, yeah. a prohibited steps order is invoked, but isn't that like shutting mm-hmm. the door after the horse has bolted? Because if the partner's the ex partner's going to go off somewhere with the child anyway, how is that enforced? Because you don't know where they've gone. It's it's as soon as you find out that they're about to do that, right? You can make an. It's a prohibited steps order. Are usually seen as emergency application. Mm-hmm. So they're not dealt with as they would for, say, a normal residence order or live-with order, as we spoke about earlier. Mm. These will be dealt with as quick as a week. Uh, Within seven days, you'd request a a hearing, and they would be notified. So it depends on the urgency, but they, they will, the courts will assist in that matter as quickly as possible to kind of stop the ex-partner from absconding with the child.
And I mean, I, I suppose this is a, a similar sort of thing um, to schools uh, because you hear of people, you know, going to collect their children from school and find that their ex has already been and taken the child. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that that's, must be very, very stressful. But also, if the schools are not made aware or the schools don't know what, what um, legal parameters are in place, it's difficult for them to police it as well. So what do you do to stop your partner from, you know, collecting your child from school without your consent it's it's the, the same um it, procedure so you you'd apply for a prohibited steps order and once that's been granted in terms of uh, directing and ordering that the ex-partner cannot attend the school or make any contact with the school at all the courts would allow a copy of that to be provided to the school uh, so they're aware of the situation as well because many times it has happened where the schools have not been notified, just just as the example you've provided. Mm. Um, so with the prohibited steps order, you'd, you would ask for it to state that the school are to be notified and that they are not permitted to allow the child to leave with anyone apart from, say, uh, the mother or the mother's parent, mm. somebody that's listed in the order, and that would safeguard the situation. And the solicitors um, would write prohibited to the school? Steps order, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, could you say that again? I know I said so the, so the solicitors would then write to the school so they have yes. a legal document that, that covers them. That's correct, yes. Now, something that happened uh, a couple of years ago where um, uh, two people who weren't married split up and they had a daughter together and their daughter lives with, with the daughter's mother, um, but the mother, without telling the father, changed the daughter's school and the father didn't know about it. Um, how do you get around that one because i don't quite know how how the father found out in the end um but that you know that, that's that's not really cricket is it no it's not but it's also a very common thing that happens after a breakdown um it's more changing the school because it's closer to where what you know the, the parent that lives with the child has moved to and just to avoid conflict they've done that without the, the other parent knowing but to deal with that it would be um Similar, you could do a prohibited step to stop them from doing it again and also a specific issues order. So you'd make an application to the court to deal with that matter, um, to try and assess whether the change of the school was the correct decision made for the child. Um, if it was not, the, the courts could even order for the child to return back to the previous school or... Uh, they would allow it to continue, but then make an order to stop the parent from doing that again without discussing it with the so the ex-partner. So a prohibited steps order is actually quite a useful thing to do. As you say, it's a bit of a last-ditch attempt, but, but it is quite an effective uh, part of legislation. But, I mean, what happens when contact arrangements can't be agreed on? I mean, you, you know, that, that, that's, that's, you know, unpleasant as well, isn't it? It is, yes. I mean, we, we would always tell our um, clients to try and try and resolve and agree matters between yourselves. Um, if you can't do that, then always look at mediation. Mediation is very helpful um, and sometimes valuable in coming to an agreement because you will have um, an independent person, a mediator, mm. uh, trying to negotiate between the parents to, to help them reach a middle ground um, which avoids a lot of costs, a lot of further contentious uh, matters. You can easily resolve the matter there. It's only after that fails 
that we would advise you to go to court to try and request the court's assistance in this. Um, court proceedings will always be long and exhausting and very messy. And if, expensive. Um, and expensive, yes. I'm going to get to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we do always try and encourage that parties, um, or parents, sorry, try to resolve matters as much as they can, even through solicited negotiations. Um, because we'd factor in what's right for the child, what's right for the children. Um, we'd encourage that both parents need to spend time with the children as much as what's happened between the parents. You know, it's not nice. Yes, you don't want to see each other. You don't want to hear each other's name. But the children do need to spend time with both of them equally. Um, but it does fail at times, and that's when the court um, becomes useful. Mm. To some extent. <laughs> sure. Because even, even with the court process, um, if it comes to a point where the parties still can't agree anything and it, it, it's down to the court to decide and the judge to decide, it may not always be in either parent's favour. Mm. No, so they, it's, because it's, they'll, they'll always risk. put the child or children first, quite yes. rightly. The child will be first, yes, and that may not be exactly what either parent was requesting. Okay. It's a very, very complicated part of law. I mean, clearly you're the experts and, and this is your specialist field. And for anybody listening, um, you know, who have children but uh, are estranged from their, their partner for whatever reason, um, where can people find more information out, Alka? Well, they can find information on our website. We do put a lot of um, guidance in our posts. Um, our website is www.waldrons.co.uk um, and if any further guidance was uh, required from myself then they can always call up um, on our lines mm -hmm. 01384 811 811 um, and you can ask to speak to me or book an appointment and I would be happy to guide them. Alka Wood, solicitor from Waldron Solicitors, specialising in family law. Thank you very much for talking to Friday Night Live. That is your lot for this episode. You can catch the programme live every Friday night on Black Country Radio from 6 o'clock p.m. And if you like our podcast, please subscribe by heading to blackcountryradio.co.uk forward slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. See you very soon. This is a Black Country Radio podcast presented by me, Clive Payne, and produced by Andy Caddick.